It's hard to believe, but in the midst of the pandemic, other things have been happening, and one of them concerns the future of the man from WikiLeaks, Julian Assange. In 2010, Assange was Times Person of the Year. Ten years later, we're at Belmarsh Magistrates Court. Assange is still fighting against extradition to the United States, having spent most of the last seven years holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy. But this week, he shared one of the strangest secrets of those years. Well, his secret fiancée decided to reveal his secret family to a tabloid newspaper. It had become almost impossible for them to keep the relationship secret. If he is sent to the US, the charges couldn't be more serious. But could Julian's new family make it more likely that he stays in Britain? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, the future of Julian Assange. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I was... Starting out in journalism, I was on work experience for the, for the Telegraph. John Simpson is now the crime correspondent at The Times, but he's been following the Julian Assange story for over 10 years since the very beginning of his career. I should say at this point that I spoke to John before coronavirus had changed all our lives. But at the end of this episode, you'll hear our conversation from this week about the latest revelations. I was led to a room with glass walls and every inch of the walls was covered so that you couldn't see in or out. Everyone outside that room was told that the coverage inside was for a royal wedding. Once inside, I was led past some of the paper's most prominent reporters and told that we would be working on around 250,000 diplomatic cables that had been leaked by Julian Assange's website, WikiLeaks. My task was to redact those cables. And you've been covering the career of Julian Assange ever since? Uh, strangely, it seems to have tracked my entire career, yeah. Let's start with a picture that people might remember from last year, which is when Julian Assange departed the Ecuadorian embassy. Uh, Paint the scene for us, John. That week, we had maybe two or three false alarms. My news desk called me and said, Assange is being forced out of the embassy. Went down, and there was a huge presence. 
global media, hundreds of supporters and protesters. So we camped out and we spent the day there. It turned out Julian Assange was not going to leave the embassy that day. A couple of days later, I was called and told, he's out. And the only people there were Russia Today, the Russian state-sponsored broadcaster. The images showed a scrawny, bedraggled, white-haired man who resembled a sort of high priest of some obscure religion being hauled from the embassy. He shouted, resist this attempt by the Trump administration. The UK must resist, as he was bundled into the van. And did this feel like a big moment for you? It was a huge day. He hadn't been outside for nearly seven years. For Ecuador and his hosts, who called him the guest, it was a big day. And for Sweden and for the US, both of whom would try to extradite him, it was a turning point. Julian Assange is facing extradition to the United States and you've been at the hearings in London. Who is Julian Assange and what's the offence that the US wants to put him on trial for? Julian Assange was born in Australia. He started out as a skilled young hacker. His name online was Mendax, which is Latin for liar. There are two strands to the 18 charges against him. One is essentially that he colluded with a young US military analyst who was based in Iraq to breach certain systems and obtain the information that was later leaked. And the other is that he put hundreds of lives at risk by subsequently publishing those without stripping out names of people who could be put in danger. So let's go right back to the beginning and 2010, when arguably all this begins. How does WikiLeaks first come into public view? With the publication of hundreds of thousands of classified and top secret US military documents. And one of them was this. So, uh, John, what are we looking at when we look at these pictures? We're looking at a black and white video shot from a helicopter over a suburb of Baghdad. various points, the gunner is heard requesting permission to fire. Come on, let us shoot. Come on. Round after round of fire at groups of men who appear to just be standing around. Come on, fire. Dust flies up and the men fall to the ground. It was shocking. Now we had what appeared to be evidence of possible war crimes. Oh yeah, look at that, right through the windshield. The ah. fact that it looks like a video game and, and, and the fact that they sound almost like teenagers playing a video game, baying and celebrating, sat very uncomfortably, certainly with the public here and, and in the US during what was a very unpopular war. So the video's out and the uh, first tranche of what uh, WikiLeaks has released about the US military is out. It's clear that it will shape an understanding of what the past six years of war has been like uh, and that the course 
of the war needs to change. So let's just look at this. I've not seen. I've never seen this before, by the way. Oh, so really? Never. WikiLeaks is an organisation to promote justice through the sharing... And I encountered Assange in 2010 when I was asked to take part in a debate with him at City University in front of lots of student journalists. And there he was in a black leather jacket, blonde hair. And he was, at that stage, in his own eyes and the eyes of his entourage, he was a, a superstar, the coolest animal on the planet. If they become powerful, and WikiLeaks has become immensely powerful, the question is... What kind of accountability exists for you? Our accountability is very interesting, and we need to look at just how accountable other institutions are. But during the course of that debate, something rather peculiar happened. I raised with him the question of who was he accountable to for the information he was releasing like that? I mean, would a democracy necessarily want that information, all that information released in that way? There is a problem. And you can see that there is a problem, and those people who've asked Julian questions can see what the problem is. And gradually, many of the people who come there to really love him were slightly alienated from him. We are not frightened to be blamed or to make mistakes or to even accidentally cause harm in the cause of causing less harm. To be caused. Do you think actually that discussion reflected what came afterwards, if you like, the kind of tension between the data dumper, uh, who just sticking everything kind of out there, and the journalist fighter for truth? I think throughout his career, we've watched two parallel narratives. He will promulgate the idea that he is a freedom fighter, a journalist, if you like, the old media would err on the side of caution, would say, that's not how we do things, Julian. He wanted to tear things up and change things. So we get a sense of the earlier Assange uh, and his kind of perception of himself. So how does he go from being that Julian Assange, 2010 Julian Assange, to being effectively under house arrest in the Ecuadorian embassy of all places? He travelled to Sweden to give a lecture. The woman who hosted him allowed him to stay at her flat. She threw a crayfish party, which in Sweden is a traditional thing at that time of year. It was, it was autumn. She would tell police that he had sexually assaulted her. While at the party with this host, he left with another woman. She would make more serious allegations of quite a violent, rape. Assange has always denied these allegations. He insists that the only reason he didn't go to Sweden was his concerns over being extradited further to the US. The first allegation expired under the statute of limitations uh, and the second was dropped in 2017. But going back to 2010 and that crayfish party, he was questioned while in Sweden. We have seen the distortion uh, of evidence and fact by uh, the prosecuting authorities in Sweden revealed... The prosecutors there decided against moving forward with the case and he came to the UK. Once here, they resurrected the case and requested immediately 
that he returned to Sweden for further questioning. He refused on the grounds that he and his supporters believed that this was a ruse by the United States to somehow incarcerate him so that he could be further extradited to the US. He doesn't want to be extradited to Sweden. Why did he end up in the embassy? This was after two years of legal wrangling. Julian Assange and his legal team had tried every avenue to stop the extradition to Sweden. He insisted that Swedish prosecutors could and should come to the UK to interview him. He had lost at every stage of the British judicial system. The only option he had left was the European Court of Human Rights. And he clearly decided he didn't want to take that risk and took matters into his own hands. Having lost his Supreme Court case, he fled to the embassy while still on bail. He was in fact still wearing his electronic tag. President Correa. What are you, in England? I, I am in England under house arrest now for 500 days. 500 days? With no charge. OK. Are you ready? So Assange had interviewed the Ecuadorian president on his Russia Today TV show. He had received a sort of invite to Ecuador, which he subsequently uh, took up by walking into the embassy and saying, save me. It's been a pleasure to meet you, Julian. And cheer up. Welcome to the Club of the Persecuted. <laughs> Thank you. Don't get assassinated. Do you remember the day he went into the embassy? It was a warm day in the summer of 2012. A figure in a motorcycle helmet arrived, posing as a courier. He walked up the steps into the foyer of this mansion block. He removed the helmet. He requested asylum and he remained there for nearly seven years. And goes into the embassy, hoping what? His stated aim was to draw attention to what he believed was a conspiracy to have him tried and jailed in the United States for the leaks of classified military documents. He said there is a secret grand jury investigation in Virginia. They have a sealed indictment awaiting me, and the moment that they think they can get me, they will unseal it. He was right. that Julian Assange would face prosecution and extradition to the United States for his publishing activities with WikiLeaks. Unfortunately, today, we've been proven right. Mr Assange was arrested this morning at about 10 o'clock at the Ecuadorian embassy... So the freedom fighters in the embassy for seven years. What happened to him in that time? The Ecuadorians became very fed up with the man that they referred to as the guest... The allegations included that he stank, that he didn't clean himself properly, that he didn't clean up after his cat, that he'd smeared feces on the walls. Assange denied the accusations, all of which came after the change of government in Ecuador. Rafael Correa, the man he had interviewed, who had given him the invitation to come to Ecuador, left. Lenin Moreno came in. There had been consternation in Ecuador over 
trade deals with the US. Lenin Moreno, the new president, came in and they suddenly ratcheted up the pressure on Assange. They wanted him out. So essentially, the Ecuadorians have changed their minds about him. Towards the end, he was given a list of house rules. Then, (laughs) I love this bit. So shortly afterwards, uh, his lawyers responded by saying that it was an infringement of his fundamental human rights to tell him to clean up after his cat and, and various other things. They also issued a list of 140 items to journalists around the world on an ironically labelled confidential document. All of the list started with the words, it is false and defamatory. And I'll give you some examples. It is false and defamatory to suggest that Julian Assange is a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. It is false and defamatory to suggest that Julian Assange stinks. It is false and defamatory to suggest that Julian Assange has ever tortured a cat or dog. It is false and defamatory to suggest that Julian Assange does not use cutlery or does not wash his hands. It is false and defamatory to suggest that Julian Assange lives or has ever lived in a basement, cupboard or under the stairs. So essentially this is him getting his lawyers to rebut every conceivable theory, thing that is said on social media, joke that has been made about Julian Assange and putting it all out to the press even if they hadn't been aware of the original charges that he was now rebutting. Precisely. Let's talk about the process of getting Julian Assange out. So he's in the embassy and the Ecuadorians want him out. How does that happen? So the day before... Assange was thrown out of the embassy. Lenin Moreno went on TV and declared that Ecuador had ended his political asylum, describing him as a spoilt brat. The next day, after his protection had been removed, officers from Scotland Yard entered the embassy and carried him out. And where does he go next? Assange appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court and was promptly convicted of the breach of bail from back in 2012 while he was still fighting extradition to Sweden which surprised nobody. So the less popular Assange is now out of the embassy and he's in the court system. It's 2020. You're at the extradition hearings in London. Now, what is the purpose of these hearings? The purpose of the hearing is to decide whether he will be uh, finally taken out to the US to face trial. So you're now finally in a room... (laughs) with Julian Assange after all these years of uh, following his career. Tell me about that. There was a moment where I looked across and we caught each other's eyes. He showed a lot of interest in journalists within the court. He seemed relaxed and he seemed healthier than recent reports have suggested. So what did he look What does he look like now? long beard that we saw as he was dragged from the embassy was gone. At times, he would close his eyes for long periods. I spoke to his father during one of the breaks in the hearing, and his father said that he's meditating during that time. I think the phrase his father used was, he's entering reverie to clear his mind. Entering reverie. Thank you. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. John, how long is this all expected to last? I've spoken to lawyers who think that this case is likely to take two or three years. Would he have to actually stay in custody for all that length of time? Considering his form, there's no way he would not spend that time on remand in Belmarsh Prison. Which would make it coming up for, given his own self-imposed seven years, and if there were another two or three... We're talking about something that would add up to more or less an average life sentence. Yes. On Sunday, new revelations about Julian Assange's private life were splashed across the tabloids. While in pre-virus lockdown in the embassy, he had, unbeknown to all those watching, fathered two children. I gave John a call to ask what this news means for Assange's extradition hearings, only to discover how one detail he noticed at the time of Assange's arrest could have led him to the story sooner. A year ago, the police dragged Julian Assange from the Ecuadorian embassy and through all of the political and legal complications that followed and the days of coverage, there was one almost whimsical question that remained. Where was his cat? Where was his cat? Uh, Michi, the cat, was bought for him, we were told, by his children. And we were aware that Julian Assange had at least three children by two women in two countries. As the weeks passed, it stuck with me. Where's the cat? And try as I might, I couldn't track it down. And the answers I got when I asked people were strange. They didn't (laughs) quite sit right with me. And I insisted again and again on being told where the cat was. Then on Sunday, almost exactly a year later, the cat popped up in a video on a tabloid newspaper's website. He was sitting on the lap of Assange's fiancée as she flicked through pictures of the two sons she had had by Julian Assange while he was in hiding at the embassy. 
So if you'd been able to follow the cat successfully, it would have led you to the children. But actually, as it happens, the children you didn't know about led you to the cat. Exactly. I was mocked for being so obsessed with trying to find this cat. (laughs) And it actually turned out if I had been successful, I would have tracked down the secret family. How did we discover this? It had become almost impossible for them to keep the relationship secret. She submitted a statement as part of bail proceedings in a bid to have him released from Belmarsh, awaiting his hearing next month. She lost the first stage in an attempt to maintain anonymity as part of those bail proceedings. And there was talk of seeking a judicial review of the judge's decision, but I think the press were edging ever closer to working out her name, despite her actually changing her name. So are you saying that some journalists already knew he had a family but couldn't write it? Did you know? Well, we knew from the court hearings that there was a woman in the UK and two children. We had no idea the ages of the children or that they were conceived inside the embassy. And we certainly didn't have any accurate sense of who that woman was, not least because she's changed her name during that time. Sorry, uh, John, this is really... (laughs) Let me try to make sure that I understand this. So Julian Assange has been having a long-term affair with who exactly? In early 2011, Assange's legal team advertised for a researcher, writer, someone who spoke Swedish to help them with a project countering some of the narrative over the allegations in Sweden that he had sexually assaulted two women. The successful applicant was uh, Sarah Gonzalez Devant, who we now know as Stella Morris. So the story that's coming out is that while in the embassy, he had uh, a relationship with this woman. And the consequence of that has been two children who we knew nothing about, but that she went to the court, what, to vary his bail conditions on the basis that she was the mother of his children, but without wanting the judge to tell anybody? So when arguing for bail, there are a number of reasons that it might be granted, particularly to someone who has shown that they are such a flight risk. Um, And in Assange's case, it's a steep hill to climb. I think they decided that showing that he had a family here would show that he had reason to remain were he released on bail and would lessen that flight risk. We're all in lockdown. I mean, if he was released on bail now, where could he go? I imagine he would, if he were to be released on bail, he'd be told to choose an address, probably the address of his fiancé and children, and remain there, probably on some kind of electronic tagging. Now, does this change anything in terms of his future? I think it does. In the bail proceedings, we saw that they were using this family life argument to try to get him out of Belmarsh and on some kind of bail conditions. And I think we'll see a similar argument at his extradition hearing whether that's next month or later due to the coronavirus outbreak. But we'll see the use of an Article 8 Human Rights Act argument, which will probably relate to his right to family life. And that will form part of an attempt to block his extradition to the US, I think. 
I can see why it would change a judge's likelihood to allow him out on bail. It's not quite so obvious to me why it would mean that a judge would look differently an extradition request. I don't see that it would be the decisive factor, but I can picture his legal team using it as part of a broader argument against extradition. Are they giving any new reasons as to why he should receive bail? Since the coronavirus outbreak, there have been cases in Belmarsh where he's being held. I think there's been a death and he has been in poor health for some time. His legal team are arguing that it is a risk to his life to keep him there. John, how likely is he now to get bail? It's an unprecedented argument that someone should be released on bail because of the threat to life from a pandemic. But it seems highly unlikely he'll be released on bail, given his decision to flee to the embassy in 2012. In other words, despite everything, they'll still think he's a flight risk. Yes, I think the decision will be made based on traditional bail circumstances and and when someone has technically fled to another country for seven years you're unlikely to release them. Julian Assange for all except his biggest supporters has not been an easy man to like. Since that day in the lecture theatre in London when he and I debated he's been accused of sins ranging from rape to collusion with Russia. He has rarely rewarded his friends for their loyalty. He has a barely disguised messiah complex. He is no friend of the West. But there's more at stake here, it seems to me, than just this one man, or indeed his unsuspected new family. Early Assange brought us secret information, like that appalling helicopter footage of the airstrikes in Baghdad that needed to be seen. Bringing it to light was clearly in the public interest, and Assange though what he has done has arguably helped some dodgy people, is no spy. And if, in the post-virus world, the UK does end up extraditing Assange to the US, the result could well be a chilling effect, deterring other leakers from exposing things that, though uncomfortable, we really ought to know about. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, the crime correspondent for The Times, John Simpson. You can read more of John's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were James Shield, Will Rowe and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also, in these uncertain times, you can access expert analysis on the latest developments in the COVID-19 crisis with The Times' dedicated daily coronavirus newsletter. Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. See you next time. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 